0: Hey folks, just a quick warning with today's episode. While it's not a focal part of the discussion of Noir, a collection of crime comics, we do talk about one story that was omitted in later editions of the anthology and the sexual violence within that story. If you'd like to skip that part of the discussion, please see the show notes for timestamps on where the segment starts and ends. This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, a biscuit and a brisket threatening me with a good time. I'm joined by Kate Lamphere.
1: Oh, well, now I'm hungry.
0: And Nick White. I don't know what that
2: means. I am offended regardless.
0: Well, this is episode 275 of I read comic books. I am very excited to have both of you on the show before we get into things and talk about our Goodreads book of the month. I do have to ask you guys a legally mandated question. But even before that, I want to say thank you to everyone who voted on March's Goodreads book of the month. The winner for this month, according to the votes that we have as of February 28th, I'm pretty sure it's not going to change. Superman smashes the clan by Gene Luing Wang. Yang and uh, Garihu I, I'm totally butchering those names I'm sorry But Superman Smashes the Clan is what we're going to be reading For March I'm very excited to talk about it at the end Of the month but let's get into things let's talk About comic books so let me ask those Questions how have you been How have comic books been let's start With you Nick
2: Um, I've been good it's it's been a busy Busy weekend a lot Of uh tabletop RPG stuff a lot of Reading in preparation for this show Things have been good uh, in terms of the reading this week. If there was sort of an overall theme, it would be, hey, Nick, are you open to like growing and expanding as a comic book reader? Uh, you know what? No, fuck you. I'm going to read what I want. And it's just going to be Nick's little corner that he's already carved out. And mm-hmm. and so in regards to that, I read the last issue of Skull Digger Skeleton and Skeleton Boy number six. I really don't have a whole lot to say about this book. It's written by Jeff Lemire. Surprise. Again, I said it's Nick's little corner. Mm -hmm, Jeff mm -hmm. Lemire reigns supreme in that little corner. Tonsi Zanjic on art. Steve Wands on letters. I really don't understand why this book isn't getting more attention. I honestly do think it is one of the best Black Hammer miniseries, which is that's that's high praise considering you've got other books like Dr. Star. um, And uh, what was the other one? I mean, Dr. Star is obviously for me probably like the best one slash the saddest one slash Mm -hmm. the best saddest one. So this really belongs up there as well. I think Zanjic put him on my list of severely underrated artists, which at this point is probably about 750 people long at this point. So I think there's more people on the underrated underrated artist list. Say that five times fast Mm -hmm. for me than there are people that I would consider just uh, not underrated. Anyway, I think Zanjic doesn't get a lot of attention. I think that's because he sort of just really does Dark Horse books. And for better or for worse, if you're just largely doing Dark Horse, you're not going like, to have your work in like front of as many pairs of eyeballs as if you worked at the Big Two. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his Lobster Johnson work is absolutely stellar. If you wanted a series that's basically Jeff Lemire, obviously Black Hammer is all about riffing on superhero books but if you wanted the series that was basically him riffing on the skulls and chains and murdering all of the evildoers mantra of like the spawn era of the 90s like this is basically that book i can't recommend it enough this is the Mm -hmm. last issue i think this book got fucked over by the shipping schedules uh that were sort of like relating to covid because i think this book managed to get like issue one and two out on time and then just the big massive delay hit and then everything right. kind of went wild I will briefly say one quick thing about haha number one by w maxwell prince vanessa del rey on on uh, on pencils chris o'halloran on colors there's a lot i could say about this issue i really just want to boil it down to this point because i don't want to give too much away if you thought The idea of getting into clowns was low-hanging fruit for W. Maxwell Prince. (laughs) I don't think you know W. Maxwell Prince well enough. Sure. Like, the idea of, ha-ha, clowns are weird, clowns are scary, like, that's been a fixture of mainstream pop culture for a long period of time. I think, much like Ice Cream Man, this book is really, like, sure, it's about clowns, but really, it's about something else. I thought I knew where this book was going to end about four different times. And I thought I knew how it was going to end about four different times. And Mm -hmm. either this is a combination of Prince's genius and my stupidity or somewhere in the middle. The other weird thing, and I just want to say this, it's really interesting that when you read digitally, like you sort of lose the perspective of how close you are to the end of a book than if you're holding a physical book. It's kind of interesting, right? Like if I was holding a physical book, I'd be like, no, there's like seven more pages to go. But when you're reading digitally, you sort of lose track of that. Interesting. Yeah. And I could go on about this one forever. I do want to briefly say this. I read Black Hammer Visions number one. Pat and Oswalt's the writer. Dean Kotz <laughs> drew it. Amazing issue. Amazing issue. Perfect issue. This is what a great cameo writer great one-shot issue can be and should be every time yeah it's I, perfect. I
0: i really think that you could probably turn some of the notes that you have in our doc like if you're at this you know patreon tier where you get our show notes i really think you should read through nick's notes because they are uh, in depth i think you could turn this into like a 2000 word like essay because i because you know you and know, i talked about this issue quite a bit i really liked it as well and uh i think you opened my eyes and some of the things that i didn't pick up and uh my, my favorite part was of course like this riff on ghost world that that aswalt plays on which if you read the issue you'll totally see it but um yeah i i totally agree definitely an amazing issue
2: yeah it's when you When you hear okay it 's like a celebrity cameo issue it 's a one shot it 's an anthology like you have this checklist of things that could go wrong with a comic book, and it 's mm-hmm. just getting bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> and yet somehow against all odds, it manages to be just perfect and I think Patton has long appreciated the comic book art form. That doesn't mean you're going to be a good comic book writer. He's been reading comics for a long time. Mm -hmm. Also doesn't mean you're going to be a great comic book writer. And yet it's a perfect issue. And I think it's because he tries to do more with less.
0: Definitely. 100% agree there. Um, Kate, what about you? How have you been? How how have comic books been?
1: Good. Um, I've read a couple of books lately and I want to talk about a few of them the first is The End of Summer by Tilly Walden. And according to the Afterword, this was her first published book. Um, as usual, the art is beautiful. Yeah. Um, there's, there's soft world building. There's like a soft sadness to the whole story and really strong, like positive emotions, like love for one another between the characters. Um, in some, Lars is a member of a noble family who is shutting the doors against the oncoming winter that's going to last for three years. He's dying, but we don't know why. Um, He's got this like giant cat that he's given to ride around on so that he doesn't like get winded and his twin, he has a twin sister, but there's like, there's something going on with her too. And then he's got a bunch of other brothers and sisters. So it, it was kind of hard to tell people apart. And it took, even though this book is very short, it did take me a little while to read it because I kept like flipping back and being like, okay, this guy's pants has a pattern on it. So this is the older mm-hmm. brother. <laughs> There's a lot of, like, bummer things that happen in this book, and it is ultimately a tragedy. Um, it kind of <laughs> slips into this tragedy so subtly and so organically that it kind of feels literary in a way. Um, and it could be a retelling of a Shakespeare story, just, like, the pacing of, of what happens. But as far as I can tell, it's not. Um, it's just mm-hmm, its mm-hmm. just its own story. The other book I wanted to talk about is Snapdragon by Kate Lay. There's uh, a couple people here in Discord that have already heard me talk about this, and I've posted about it, about it on Twitter, which is pretty rare for me, so that kind of tells you already that it's a really good story, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, it's it's unique because uh-huh. it kind of starts as this, like, subtle, magical realism where there might be su- something magical happening, and then suddenly, like, Act 2 hits, and it goes full modern fantasy. Um there's characters of color, there's an LGBT relationship, um, there's a lower economic class represented, so I didn't even realize how representative this book was until I started writing about uh, about it as a review on Goodreads. So it is it is a, kind of a younger YA audience, but don't let that stop you, because it's very good.
0: Yeah, just the cover alone looks really fun, but it, it looks to me like it's just going to be like, oh, here's a teenager having fun, but... <laughs> You're telling me that it, it goes like full fantasy in the second half. So yeah. uh, that enough has me excited. I feel like I need to actually get into a lot of like Cat Lay's work. I haven't picked up anything that that they've done. So um, I just need to do it. Just need one day. I need to stop reading books that make me cry and instead read books that are going to make me not cry as hard, I guess.
1: <laughs> cry in a happy way.
0: <laughs> cry in a happy way. Yes. <laughs> Well, for me this week, uh, well, I read, a, I read a bunch of stuff. I got through a bunch of single issues. I read way, way too much Hikaru No-Go because I was behind and then I was just excited. And so I kept reading. But the the books that I do want to talk about really quick are Firelight IO Volume 2. This is by Paul Duffield and Kate Brown. This is a webcomic that was collected uh, into two like standalone volumes. They're not standalone volumes, but two volumes um, on Kickstarter. And so I, I happened to come across this on Kickstarter. So I grabbed it and it turns out it's... It's all available to read online for free. It's in a nice vertical scroll format, but on this website, it might be available on webtoons or tapas or wherever you get your, your webtoons or web comics. But yeah, so I was, I read through the first volume maybe a couple weeks ago, and then I just forgot to read the second volume, even though I had it queued up on my, on my iPad. And, um, so, like the story follows uh this these two like teenage characters An- Anlil and sen uh they're basically taking steps into their adult lives with two da- two very different directions. They were best friends growing up they both have very difficult lives like Sen is as a character who's very stubborn and he's not very good at anything but he really wants to become this prestigious guard person called the Ara uh, or one of the many prestigious uh, guard people called the Ara they are the voice or guard or and enforcers of this these living gods called the Soman um And then there's Anlil she's an extremely gifted weaver who has a very rough home life like her mom is very very harsh on her and there's like this implication that there are no dads in the story even though Sen is a boy and Anlil is a woman uh, or is a a young girl like they they don't show many men in the book and I was was really confused about that in the first volume and a lot of answers get answered in the second volume um. But I don't know if I really love this book or if I felt lukewarm about it. Like the art is incredible from the get go. And like Kate Brown is a natural, natural, smart layout in this vertical form, like getting a good delivery of a comic in like a vertical scroll format from someone that looks like they traditionally do like, you know, your typical, you know comic book size comic and then you see them move over to um, this vertical scroll thing she really takes advantage of that constant scrolling thing and it's really really cool to see it all played out if you're reading like in a PDF reader and you turn on continuous scroll it's really really beautiful and I think Paul Duffield does a really good job at building his world the the sci-fi world that that Anlil and Sen live in um, without like just dumping lore in your face you're slowly finding out more and more about the world as the story goes on I thought it was all really good that I was like in the middle about it because I kept drifting away not thinking that there's something interesting was going on and then as soon as i was about to close the book some weird twist would happen um so i don't know if that makes it a great book or an okay book but um i i kept myself you know i kept finding myself getting reeled back in and nonetheless i'm like excited for volume three which is supposed to be like the last volume of the series there the only thing that i'll say about this that kind of really shook me was in volume two a new character gets introduced that kind of changes the direction for anlil like she's kind of the focal character of the story and there was like these unintentional like racial things that were like thrown out out of nowhere like the book at no point talks about race or class or anything there are just the chosen people who have like dedicated themselves to this god and then there's everybody else and there's nothing about race or class or anything beyond that and then this new character shows up and her skin is darker than everybody else's and while it wasn't an issue for like the first like third of the or the last third of the book, when she shows up, like our main character Anlil is like scared by the color of her skin, and I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" Um, and it came super out of left field. It kind of made me uncomfortable, and then it's just ignored and moved on. So like, maybe it's just a, a hiccup of weird things, but like, I found it to be really weird. And um, yeah, like because like the story up until that point, and I'm talking like this character shows up in like the last like third of the or maybe last half of the second volume, and. This thing just comes out of nowhere. So I was just really confused by it. But anyways, like, on the whole, I'm, I'm interested at, le- at least enough to see what Volume 3 has to offer. Uh, it seems like it's going to come to a very climactic end where all sorts of things are going to get revealed. And all the questions that I think the story has been building on for the past, you know, like, I don't know... <sighs> 200 pages are going to get answered so I'm, I'm really excited to i guess read the rest even if i there was this very weird moment in it the other thing i want to talk about really quick is this book waves by ingrid Shabert, uh with art by carol Morrill. uh this is one of our goodreads challenges uh for the for the 2021 so if you're not already part of the goodreads like challenge that we're doing definitely jump on there's amazing books including this one because waves was a book that i knew nothing about and i would have never considered it And it absolutely destroyed me when I read it. Like, I don't even want to talk about the story because it'll really spoil things. But all I can say is there are stories that make you sad or anxious. And then there are stories that really push you into the mindset of someone experiencing grief and anxiety and love and so much more. And Waves is the latter. For only 94 pages of story, it had me, honestly, honest to God, weeping at the end. Like, I was trying to tell Kelly about why I was sitting on our couch at like... 1030 at night silently just crying looking at my ipad (laughs) i like couldn't even describe the story without really starting to break out into tears so if you're into that kind of storytelling or you really want to just feel someone's grief i highly recommend waves but um yeah, I don't know. Morals Art is is really really good. I mean, she does a terrific job of using color to emphasize so many emotions or lack of emotions throughout the story. I felt super drawn in, drawn in. and page after page of the art of this book really encouraged me to like fully immerse myself in the feelings of the characters. I haven't felt this strongly about like after reading a book in a very 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 long time. I think I, I, there was a book that came out last year from first second that also messed me up like this and i can't remember um what it was off the top of my head but yeah i i honestly couldn't recommend this to anybody who is, is like maybe going through something serious but if you really want some serious feelings to be felt you could definitely read this i i really enjoyed it um tears and all so yeah this is the kind of stuff you get from our reading challenge so i highly recommend everybody uh join the the reading challenge but yeah that's that's me. I, Waves is beautiful. Honestly, what a book. I can't believe that 94 pages made me like cry like a baby. So, um, yeah, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about maybe more exciting things. <laughs> uh, maybe we can talk about comic books that are coming out on March 3rd, 2021. What are you both excited for this week? Uh, I'm going to kick it back over to you, Kate.
1: Yeah, there was a, a lot of manga on the list for this week that's coming out. So my to-read list has grown pretty significantly. Uh, one of the mm-hmm. mangas that looked the most interesting to me is Restaurant to Another World by Junpai Inuzuka. And Volume 4 is releasing this week, but this is the first time I've heard of this series. Um, luckily for me, it's the last volume, so that means I can binge read the entire thing.
0: <laughs> nice, nice.
1: Uh, in some, there is a, a door in a restaurant. That anybody could come through, samurai, dragons, vampires, whatever, um, and just you know, it sounds like a like a good time. It's a food manga and a fantasy manga. It sounds like, so I'm definitely in. Mm-hmm. the The other book is uh, Artemis Fowl Volume Two: The Arctic Incident, and I was really confused when I saw this because I've read a, an adaptation of this book. Um, originally, Artemis Fowl was a prose book written by. Uh, Eowyn Colfer. Mm -hmm. And the adaptation I've already read is by Andrew Duncan, Giovanni Regano and Paolo uh, Lamana. And I love that adaptation. Like, Even without it being an adaptation, it is just one of my favorite comic book series. Uh, It's goofy and I really like the art. And this new adaptation is by uh, Michael Marici and Stephen Gilpin. And I have no idea why they're adapting it again. Like the original series, they made four of them. So it must have done okay. okay. Um, But regardless, I'm in. I'm going to be reading this series because, I don't know, I just, I really enjoy this story for some reason.
0: How many poop jokes will there be in this (laughs) new adaptation? I'm just curious. because when i, I read, read the staple first of, all, of the old one it yes oh um, excuse me oh, i'm sorry fart jokes. <laughs> they are <laughs> they like are a... definitely poop jokes kate i yes, just want to say your that. lane yeah. artemis Fowl, okay. in right. the first book i will say because i was like hey artemis Fowl," i saw the movies coming out i was like i'm gonna grab all these books because they're like a dollar each on kindle because i was like why not you know so i, I read the first one and like there's a whole chunk of that book not a huge chunk but there is enough of a part of the book that i call it a chunk about a character who eats dirt and it just goes right through his butt it
1: just goes yeah.
2: right through him you know <laughs> didn't these books uh, originally look, these come are... out when we were like
1: in middle school
2: know, yes and i'm not and just... saying people should or shouldn't read it based on that all i'm saying is based on the original target audience right some of these things add up right i mean yes absolutely yeah, that's absolutely. all i'm saying yes. no judgment if you like or dislike or whatever this book i i have no horse in this race
0: sure sure
2: i mean yeah. it makes sense right like didn't the disney plus movie just come out so arguably mm-hmm. they're just mm-hmm. trying to do a higher profile adaptation that's, and right. Maybe that's is pretty it. high profile he's getting up there yeah
1: I, I like this yeah, because it's, I it's another, so. like, modern fantasy, and there's, um you know, one of the main characters is female, and she's a fairy, and she's, like, mm-hmm. also some kind of detective. It just really, like, it's got all these pieces to it that I really enjoy, but yeah, uh, it's definitely for, like, middle school boys. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, don't
0: get me wrong, Kate, I will agree, like, a lot of that stuff definitely hooked me into the point where I was like, maybe I'll read the next one. um I just, like... <laughs> I, I mean, was I wasn't the first until I
2: heard about this guy who's
0: just pooping dirt constantly. I mean, hey, <laughs> listen, there are all types of people in the series, so I, I hope that I hope that you enjoy this next one. Is what I'm saying. I, I'm guessing because this is an adaptation of the second book that's already come out, right?
1: Yeah, I haven't read the first the first yeah. adaptation by by this uh, this team, but I'm definitely going to look it up if it's already out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Nick, uh, what about you? What are you excited for this week? I
2: decided to go uh, super edgy, and um, I went with one of the Yes, I'd Like to Buy a Vowel books, aka Berserker, Um, (laughs) and that's B-R-Z-R-K-R, and I wish everyone could have seen me struggling to retype the title of this book about seven times. Mm -hmm. Um, It was was a real slog. I'm actually still in the process of getting it right right now um so berserker number one is co-written by matt kent and keanu reeves uh yes that is the matt kent of comic book fame uh and i don't know who this keanu guy is whatever that's fine we're all we're all (laughs) clinging on to someone's coattails of fame right 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 right. Uh, so if, if if you're playing nick white comic book bingo you can cross off the matt kent reference there it is we're gonna also cross off the famous marvel artist that nick has no idea about Um, Ron Garney drew this. I guess he did Daredevil with Charles Soul. I couldn't look up more than this because Comic Book DB is still not a thing. It's 2021. Mm -hmm. Where is my website? So I have no idea who this is. I guess it's a big deal. He was being spoken about in hushed tones on all the articles, and they're like, he's never not worked for the big two. And I'm like, and that's why I have no idea who this guy is, right? Anyway colorist bill crabtree letters by clem robbins is this book going to be overhyped yeah almost certainly can it live up to all the press probably can't uh i know some people are going to be like you know keanu reeves didn't really write this book right and to which i say uh fuck you uh matt kent wrote it and that's a way bigger selling point for me than whether or not keanu reeves actually did anything other than give his you know give his permission for his likeness to be used right right yes it does sound an awful lot like highlander yes there's some weird bullshit going on here because like alessandro vidi was supposed to be drawing this book in like okay. july and literally um and like and he like wrote on his instagram oh i'm so excited here's some art i did for the book literally a month later boom comics is like hey ron garney is joining this book by the way we're not going to have a discussion about why <laughs> um so very weird there's a lot of drama involved with this book uh obviously i think they just wanted someone more high profile Uh, Let me give you this. Uh, The summary is the man known only as Berserker is half mortal and half God, cursed and compelled to violence, even at the sacrifice of his sanity. So we know he's cool. Uh, But after wandering the world for centuries, Berserker may have finally found a refuge working for the U.S. government to fight the battles too violent and too dangerous for anyone else. In exchange, Berserker will be granted the one thing he desires, the truth about his endless blood soaked existence and how to end it. Mm -hmm. again Mm -hmm. he's cool we it's it's established yeah it feels like eternal warrior meets bloodshot basically this book is 12 issues it was set to debut in october of 2020 but was pushed back largely because of the artist shift obviously some people know there's a big controversy involved in this book because of all of the shit involving kickstarter uh obviously which is interesting i i know mike and i have discussed this a little bit um Mm -hmm. This is interesting. This is what Boom said about it, because people were saying, oh, basically, you know, these companies don't need help. They don't need financial assistance. What's going on? Boom said, quote, many companies use Kickstarter to fund their projects. We are not doing this, said the CEO. "Uh, We are working with Kickstarter as the distribution platform to expand our reach. It's our dream here at Boom Studios to introduce new readers to the medium of comic books and graphic novels by combining the reach of Kickstarter with the interest in Keanu Reeves and the action-packed epic that is Berserker. We're excited to introduce so many folks to their first comic book. This book has now sold over 600,000 copies, which makes it the best-selling comic since Star Wars number one, which came out in January of 2015. So that's a Mm -hmm. pretty big deal. My personal take on this would be just this. I don't think they're being disingenuous. I do genuinely believe that Boom isn't, like, basically turning to Kickstarter for the money. I believe them when they say, like, we aren't doing this because we need the money. I don't think they need the money. I'm sure Keanu Reeves would have given them the money. (laughs) Okay. Now, you can say, Nick, did they really need to go to Kickstarter to publish it in, like, seven different prestige formats for different people who want the hardcover versus the hardcover with the special case versus the hardcover with the special case and then keanu reeves kisses it and then sends it to you in the mail with a certificate <laughs> right you, you can ask that question that's that's for other people to decide i don't know yeah
0: i got my own thoughts on this
2: there's uh, a lot this, to say about this book there's like there's, seven different ways you can attack this book like, yes i i, I well,
0: I'm curious to hear what you think about it because to me this feels just like a cash grab book but I mean you believe in you know the holy mighty trinity of Matt Kent Matt Kent and Matt Kent so yeah, um our I'll, lord uh, savior I'll let you get back to me on that well I'm just going to move on here because I actually have a rant that I want to get to before we hit sure. the 30 minute mark <laughs> so my pick for this week I guess before we get into things I want to say that uh You know, we're doing something wild, as I've said every week this year. If you share the show on social media and tag us, you can win a $20 gift card to Comixology, Midtown, wherever you prefer. This year, we want to help people read comic books. And this week's winner of our gift card for sharing the show on Twitter. We can't thank him enough. Andrew Kai on Twitter. Look for a DM I'm going to be sending you probably today or tomorrow. Um, If you're hearing this, you've probably already gotten the DM. But nonetheless, thank you so much for sharing the show. We really appreciate it that you'd be willing to tell everybody how... How much you like the show. And we, you know, that's, that makes us feel good and it helps people find out about IRCB. Um, the other thing I do want to get to is we had some picks on Discord from folks that are hanging out in the chat. Uh, Cinco said that his pick for this week was King in Black, uh, Wiccan and Hulkling number one. Crashmore said their pick was ENIAC number one. This is from Bad Idea. I've got a whole thing about that in a second. Uh, Danny's pick is Demon Days X Men number one. Brian's pick was Runaways number 34. Thank you guys for hanging out with the chat, you know, in the chat with us today. We really appreciate it. Uh, my pick for this week though is dead dogs bite number 1 this is by Tyler Boss i think you guys everybody out there maybe you s- saw this there was some stuff on twitter and instagram about this where they're doing this big slow reveal about creators being on this book that Tyler Boss was kind of front running um or at least started it um, and there's this is this anthology horror series that's coming out and that's dead dogs bite um, and horror usually isn't my bag and I say that after reading enough horror comics to actually have thoughts on them now at this point um, but Tyler <laughs> boss you know he has me reeled in I'm ready to, to check out this book um, plus the whole team of creators attached to this series long term is is really exciting so I dig it I'm gonna check this out and see what it's all about I'll pretty much anything Tyler boss is drawing I will pick up at this point I, I love his art so much the one thing that I will say though is that I was going to pick any act number one And then I saw that it was that bad idea. It was a bad idea book and you can't get it anywhere online. You can't find it. You can't read it digitally. I don't have a comic book shop that I go to that is going to get a copy of this. I don't want to go to a comic shop just to get this book. And because to me, this is all stupid. This bad idea thing. Every time I hear about it, just rubs me the wrong way. Like, You know, I just am frustrated by this idea of you can only get this book at certain stores if you pre-ordered it and they have a deal with the shop. And I keep seeing comments online from people that are like, oh, yeah, my shop had a deal with them. But apparently it's really hard to get copies of this book. And I just don't like this idea of artificial scarcity for the sake of artificial scarcity, like whatever bad idea is trying to do it really is rubbing me the wrong way and like there is a difference between what bad idea is trying to do with distributing only to comic book shops that they're like handshake agreements with or whatever and like comics and zines that people are self-printing or they only distribute at like um conventions because i think that's the other side of it right like if you go to a convention someone's like oh hey i only made 200 copies of my fourth zine because that's all i wanted to print and it's limited edition blah 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 there's like a difference there because you can only get it through the actual creator directly. Um, It's an independent thing. It doesn't feel like it's part of a business or something. Whereas Bad Idea keeps marketing itself as like, we're this new publisher that's going to do things differently. And, you know, if you want to talk about a publisher that's doing things differently, look at what TKO has been doing constantly. TKO is doing the quote unquote different thing by getting away from Diamond and distributing their books independently. And I feel like Bad Idea is trying to do the same thing, but they're also like, we're going to make it even more exclusive. We're going to put it behind an even bigger gatekeeping wall. Like, I just keep getting thrown off about this because I think all of their stuff sounds really really cool I want to read all of it but they're making it so hard for me to actually do that it's Um, ridiculous it it makes me wish that sites like League of Comic Geeks would classify it as something that's not available in most shops and that's this isn't the only example of that there's stuff that came out from AWA that's only available if you pre-ordered it through like this weird mechanism like that a book that I talked about that I think was called 2020 number one I wanted to read that book and then I found out after the fact that you could only have gotten it if you like pre-ordered it and there's no digital way to get it and it kind of like rubs me the wrong way but like at the end of the day i just wish that like if you're going to say that this comic book is available for everyone then actually make it available to people for people to buy otherwise you should be put in a special section to say this is not going to be easy to get and just so people know i don't know it just just frustrates me like even even kickstarter books right like this berserker that nick is getting or noctera that's coming out this week from scott snyder and and i think greg capullo like i think it's those Tony books are you know or excuse yeah. me, Tony S. Daniels, thank you. Like, those books are getting regular and physical, like our digital and physical distribution, like through Diamond or through wherever distribution market system that's available. And I know that, like, these companies like Bad Idea and TKO are trying to get away from Diamond, but, like, why are you making it harder for people to read your books?
2: It seems like the easy, and obviously there aren't any, like, surefire 100% fix-all solution answers, but, like, if you want to at least do something more shop-centered, just have a staggered release and give it to digital like two weeks later. I I would be okay with that. That would be fine. This is, uh, this whole bad idea thing feels like a whole like Andy Kaufman, like sort of routine where you keep waiting for him to break, like as he keeps going. And then we're going to make sure that you have to, it's only going to be in 100 shops and you have to give us $200 up front. And then you have to agree to this. And then you have to fill out this survey and, and you keep waiting for it to be a joke and then for them to be like, yeah, I'm not fucking like this is like this is not a whole fucking bit mm-hmm. like we're going to let people read it digitally. But like that hasn't happened. And I, yeah. I'm i now quite convinced it won't. And it just makes me so sad because bad idea is basically where uh, Dinesh Shamdasani left and went to after valiant and took a lot of really solid valiant artists with him and mm-hmm. so it makes me really sad that i can't go read like Louis Larosa's next book like yeah. and i don't want to jump through the 17 hoops that are on fire you know right. to, uh, and Do you know that. i think
0: this this all springs back to then mike you don't have to read it and that's fine you know what? i i totally get yeah. it but i just don't I just don't like the idea that this sets off like people are getting excited about this thing that to me seems like just another mechanism to keep people out of comic books. And I that to me is the most frustrating part. Some like, people don't no,
2: live near a shop. It's just the exactly fucking truth and full stop. That's it.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. I I, I wanted to rant about it because it's, it's frustrating to me because I think that comics are up for everybody and this is definitely saying no no no. comic books are only for some people who have access to these specific things and as soon as you start putting barriers up around people that isn't just price then it starts to get really nasty to me so yeah. anyways um i want to let's
2: go into the break fucking mad as hell let's do it yeah let's i'm just... gonna get
0: off my soapbox here and uh thanks <laughs> thanks for listening to me uh, we'll be back in just a second we're gonna talk about this week's um goodreads book of the month which is is, is a very very interesting read so we'll be back in just a second Our show this week we are talking about our goodreads book of the month for february 2021 and that would be noir a collection of crime comics by a lot of various creators i'm just going to list through them all really quick and we'll probably try to highlight them as we go through as well but writers include brian azarello jeff lemire ed brubaker dean Motter, chris Ophit, alex de Campi, mk perker paul grist ray Rick G- Geary, <laughs> Ken Lizzie, Gary Phillips. Artists include Jeff Lemire, Dean Motter, MK Perker, Paul Grist, Kano, Stefano, Guanda- Guandano, uh Hugo Petrus, Joel Jones, Uardo, uh Barreto, Sean Phillips, Gabriel Bond, Fabio Moon. This book is all over the place. If you didn't get a chance to read it, we're going to jump into it in full spoilers discussion about this. It's a series of short stories. Our theme for this month was anthologies. I'm really excited to talk about this because it seems like overall everybody hates noir. <laughs> so, um, Kate, and Nick, <laughs> no, that's that's a bit of an exaggeration there. I don't think that everybody hates noir. I just think that it's really hard to deliver a solid noir story in eight to ten pages. Some of this, some of this run of this of this book, some of them delivered really well. Some of them just didn't make any goddamn sense. So. At least that's my take on it. So let's let's jump into things. I guess to get things started, Kate, what was your overall thought of this this uh, this collection of crime stories?
1: I pretty much agreed with everybody in our Goodreads group that like it's really not for me in in total. But there were a few stories that I enjoyed.
0: Okay. Okay any any particular reason or thing that like threw you off for a lot of the stories or was it just like it varied from story to story
1: yes <laughs> to, to both okay um okay. I, I i just feel like crime stories are you know dark and gritty they can be violent they're a little bit sexist not every story in this one was but some stories were very sexist and mm-hmm. yeah i feel like this this anthology does kind of incorporate a bit of every element that I've seen in the few crime books that I've read, which again, not very many. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it just kind of confirms that this genre really isn't for me.
0: Yeah, I can understand that. Nick, what about you? What's, what were your overall thoughts on this? I, I guess one of the fun things about an anthology,
2: right. Is that when you're done that, like primordial human instinct to want to like, rank things and like be like these are the good ones these are the bad ones these are the Mm -hmm. ones like it kicks in it's like it's in full effect right
0: right and that's what we're going to do here today and that's what
2: we're (laughs) going to do here today we are buzzfeed this will be a listicle we are not going to break the mold exactly so i i think that that's going on here i think beyond that yeah it does kind of get into some deeper questions of like what is noir what isn't noir and i think with some of the stories when you finish them or at least for me i was like Gosh, maybe this felt like noir. Maybe this didn't. But then also, maybe this kind of expands the idea of noir. And it and there's like one or two stories that we'll get into that I think for me, you can either say they're not noir and they don't belong, or they're kind of expanding the idea and that maybe we should be okay with them because they give the genre a broader uh, spectrum to exist on. Sure. Um, sure. Overall, I think. Um, it is kind of interesting and I think it is sort of a core contextual helpful thing to note that this book was originally collected in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently it was out of print for quite a while. And that's one of the big reasons that it got republished. Um I also think that's kind of an important point because with some of the names of creators on this book, uh when you realize that, this was done in 2009 i think some of these people have like grown and improved since then Definitely. and if you're looking on this work um expecting like the caliber of their work that maybe they're producing in 2020 2021 with some of these people it's it's not on that level and we'll get into that but that's just like that's human growth that's yeah. you know artistic growth there's that's it's going to happen
0: yeah yeah, I mean, I, I was pretty lukewarm on the anthology. I mean, I I will say, if only because I, I felt like on the whole, it's really hard to deliver. And you can tell, like, now that you put some of that stuff in perspective, like, yeah, this is definitely early in some folks' career, and it's it definitely feels like it was it was a like hey we've got an anthology to put together let's just throw some people together and they ended up you know growing and becoming you know bigger creators and stuff i mean even when you look at the brew baker and phillips story which i think uh, like like across the board a lot of people really really liked this is still brew baker in his like i'm obsessed with SM phase um like yeah. when he was re- you know I, and i say that because like look at fatale look at yeah. look at what everything that's happened with like um you know killer be killed like i think that like he, had, he kind of had an obsession, not obsession, but he kind of had an interest in like discussing, you know, more sexual things in his stories while trying to also fit it within the mold of his like classic take on, on, on noir stories. So um, yeah, that's really interesting that you say that because, um, yeah, I don't know. On the whole, like I, I was kind of wondering when I came out of this, I was like, do I just not like noir? Do I just not like stories that are just one, two beats? Do yeah. I not like stories that are in black and white? You know, I was kind of questioning a lot of things cuz this whole book is is in black and white and it's very stark with with how it uses black and white. There's very few grays I think in the book. It's it's strictly black and white, which I thought was really interesting. And yet you can see there's a lot of artistic talent that can be done or that can be um shown in just a black and white book. You know, we always you know, go to back to and fall back to, you know, Walking Dead when we talk about black and white books that have a lot of, you know, variety, but like book cheats with grayscales okay they have a colorist (laughs) just for the grayscales okay um but because if we're talking you know i talked about this last week on the show but thinking strictly black and white you know looking at stuff like frank miller it's really interesting to see how much is capable of, of doing things with just black and white and i think this 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 collection of crime stories definitely did that showing off what's capable with just black and white um in a way that doesn't really I don't know that doesn't force you to say oh man I wish this was in color because I think if it was in color it would have been a lesser book because of that um, instead trying to hold to that grit of, of the black and white color um, palette uh, really really sold this book for me when, when the stories hit um, and I, I will say for stories that weren't really interesting to me there were there was art that came with it that was like holy shit this is impressive um, so yeah I guess do you guys want to walk through each of the stories we want to talk about highlights and lowlights what would be your preference here I guess I'm okay with whatever. I mean, the only thing I
2: would briefly like preface up front, which I think is another helpful thing to know and and might be helpful for our discussion of of all of the stories is that several of these stories actually were from established properties. Brubaker and Phillips story is from Criminal. Uh, Mm -hmm. Dean Motter's story is from his Mr. X book, which he had just rebooted the year before this collection came out at dark horse so not a coincidence mm-hmm. and then paul grist's cane is also from a pre-existing series he did so gotcha just something that's kind of interesting and helpful to know before yeah. going into all of those so
0: yeah i guess i i mean i i'm not necessarily posing let's let's go through highlights and lowlights for us because i think like if you want to read through this whole series i'm sure everybody will have their own opinion on these but like yeah. um you know i guess kate what was one of the, the stories that really really worked for you in this in this collection
1: I liked the old silo by Jeff Lemire. Um, I know that he's got an art style that takes some time to appreciate, but I've, I've spent enough time with Jeff Lemire's work now, including the things that he's uh, illustrated himself that now I do appreciate his artwork. Um, And Mm -hmm. this was, you know, a little bit earlier than some of his other work that I, that I've read, but I mean, it still worked for me. It's still his distinctive style. And as for the story, it's it's pretty straightforward and kind of like down-homey, his like ex-Essex County, uh, Canada homestead stories. This was mm-hmm. another one. It was just darker. <laughs> and I really appreciated the simplicity of that. It's not a complex setting. Um, there's no like twist at the end, really. I did wonder because it's It's got this uh, elderly man who kills uh, or he perhaps allows another man to die who has a lot of money or possibly Mm -hmm. kills them. It's unclear. Um, But his wife, this old man's wife, is in the house and he goes in at the end of his work day and takes care of her, carries her up to bed. She might be dead. Like she doesn't blink. (laughs) She doesn't say anything. She doesn't move.
2: I never thought about that. Yeah, I didn't either. That's wild. Yeah, for me, the only real kind of twist was, did he let him die or yeah. did he kill him? And that's right. kind of, I think my issue with this book was that, this story was that that little did he, didn't he moment, they it didn't let the reader have more time to sort of think about that. Or to sort of like give you other misdirects in terms of, oh, well, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. And like, so this story for me kind of kicked off the book and it was sort of a more constant trend throughout this book was like, geez, like this was, I don't know, eight or nine pages. Maybe this book would have been better served being 12 or 13 pages. Like it just Mm -hmm. needed a little more time. And like that is a constant <laughs> ongoing trend with a lot of the stories in this collection is it's like if you just had a few more pages, I think the pacing could have been better. Um, yeah. And and Lemire's work here, like even compared to Sweet, Sweet Tooth, which had come out um, the exact same year, this was uh, one year after Essex County in the same year, Sweet Tooth, the pencils feel a little looser than even what we were seeing with sweet tooth, which I mean, maybe if you're being asked to draw eight pages for an anthology and then on the other side, you're doing a flagship book for DC, obviously there are priorities there, right? Um, Technically
0: so. it was for vertigo. So,
1: yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh,
2: all right. I'm just going to go ahead. Take yeah. my real, real comic book fan uh yeah. certificate. Let's, let's go shred it.
0: Um Well, no, I, I think he, I think a lot of other people agreed with you. I think the Jeff yeah. Lemire book or story definitely worked in this. I mean, um, yeah i i I wasn't a fan of this one because i I think I had the same problem that Nick did. I think this needed like another two pages or something but like i don't know there's there's a whole thought about this I guess before I don't want to necessarily dig right into like the, the 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 low lights of this book so mm. um Nick what was your what was one of your highlights of this book
2: so I think this one was a little bit polarizing, but um one that I would briefly say I thought was kind of like the new me by Gary Phillips with art by Eduardo Barreto. Like there's some wild stuff going on here. Um, This is the book about the lady who uh, joins the gym, wants to get in shape. Mm -hmm. She's interacting on a daily basis with this trainer who seems like he really wants to help her, but he also seems like he's maybe, uh, you know, not the most trustworthy guy. It seems like he's, you know um you know maybe having relationships or whatever with all of the women at this place there's definitely yeah (laughs) i mean i'm saying at the outset right she's kind of wondering right obviously we know as the story goes on that that's clearly what's happening um and, and yeah there's some like not great stuff in this and kate rightly pointed that out in terms of you know there's some unrealistic uh things that may be reflected And seemingly reflected, you know, the fact that there wasn't a a woman working on this book or, or giving input. The twist ending for me, I went back and forth on the idea that you find out that like her husband's ill and they're basically creating this machine to do a consciousness transfer between bodies I guess for me, I was so sick of the gritty, like, oh, this is a tough world and a tough city. And at the end, the main character gets murdered noir that like Mm. having this absolutely fucking bonkers out of left field ending for me. I was like, (laughs) fine. I was like, fine. This is insane. But also it's so (laughs) wildly different. Uh, Fine. I'll, I'll, I'll go with it. Like, so for me. I was I was I was pretty okay with that one. The brubaker Phillips story for me, I feel like was the best paced story. And I would I would highlight that because it felt like it felt like they felt they were able to get everything done in the amount of pages they had. Sure, and it's definitely. it's wildly ambitious because it's a story that is like nine pages and has three different narrators and three different perspective shifts over those nine pages. Like mm-hmm in other people's hands that would be a blueprint for fucking disaster right but i think it worked even though as you said you can tell brew baker's uh the topic of the day you know uh for brew baker at the time is is in full effect to yeah to, to put it one way so
0: yeah that's, I mean, the, I, I kind of noted in my, in my, some of my notes that there was like Blood on My Hands, which is by Rick Geary, kind of reminded me of like a Twilight episode, a Twilight Zone episode, which I wasn't mad about. Um, which if I, I don't, I don't have the, yeah, it was about taking, about a guy who gets a job. I don't remember. I, I just wrote notes and I did not describe anything. But like I said that the, you know, the new me, um, which is about, you know, this woman with the body swap thing, um, I felt like the, the sci fi twist didn't, make it noir but also like it wasn't bad it just felt like a twilight zone episode rather than actual noir to which like is twilight zone noir again this is where i'm coming out <laughs> of this this collection of just like do i not understand what this genre is
2: <laughs> right um, no absolutely so, right so, yeah
0: I'm, it's interesting that you that you like that one because i feel like that some other folks on the on the discord or excuse me on the goodreads were not a fan of that uh the, like the sudden sci-fi twist at the end um I will say that, like for me, one of the highlights of this was the um, was the story, the last hit by Chris Afoot with Cano and Stefano Guando Guandino, um, on pencils and inks, the Clem Roberts on letters. I thought it was pretty good because it follows this guy who's basically on his last job right he's a hitman and it's his last job but he knows that he's being set up to get killed so he sends someone else to go up to this room where he's supposed to show up and some young gun is there who's going to kill him as soon as he walks kill the first person that walks in the door and um he catches that kid outside and says hey i knew that that was going to happen um how about this you tell them that you killed me and i'll just go along my way and we can part ways and the kid ends up turning on him and killing him at the end and i thought that like that was when I think of like noir crime stories. I'm like, this is perfect because it's this idea of someone trying to pass the torch and becoming the next big assassin, and then they get killed at the end. And there's like this high level of almost irony there. Um, I really, really liked it. Like this crime is a killer be killed kind of life. Um, that that story actually really surprised me because I think before that, the Mister X story that you read about Yacht on the Sticks by Dean Motter, like. I feel like I, mi- I was missing like so much about this story like I didn't understand yeah. a large like it was missing like two pages of, of exposition that needed <laughs> you to understand the actual resolution of the story um, and I know that Mr. X is a series and it's got its own history but I'm like why would you include what would, should be a standalone not a, should be a standalone story in this collection if you needed to know all this background about this world that Mr. X lives and so I was a little lost on that one so getting yeah. into the last hit I was like oh this is actually just like a short story that makes a lot of sense. And I I really, really liked it. Yeah, I mean, the Mr. X story for me, like, I actually
2: really liked the art for that, but it Mm -hmm. really felt like, hey, um, this Mr. X book, you know, it's the spend this story series since the eighties. Dark Horse just got the rights to reboot the series. Literally the year before, hey, let's throw in a Mr. X series. Mr. X, you know, little story. Um, which I thought was a bad idea. I thought it was like clearly I think they were trying to continue to promote this book that they had just sort of started putting out, and I get mm-hmm. that this is not the place to do it like this felt like a b story in a mr x issue like it's a little backstory (laughs) at the end and they just chopped it out of the issue and they put it in this anthology and it's like well
1: why
0: like kate did you did you have any thoughts on that i don't know if you if you if you were really into mr x or not
1: i i did think that it was interesting i'm I I didn't know that Mr. X was a whole series by uh, separately from this anthology. So I guess my my biggest thoughts were like, I want to know more about this world where they put voltage in drinks and there are androids. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: I think
2: I mean, that's like the takeaway for me was like it wasn't totally negative. It was kind of positive because it was like, this is an interesting snippet into this world. And it seems interesting. And I might want to learn more. That doesn't change the fact that it shouldn't be in this collection. <laughs> right.
1: Um, I I didn't really understand the end of the story. Like clearly. Oh, me there's this, clearly same. there's this android that's still alive. <laughs> I'm glad we're all on the same Yeah. Date. Well yeah. so so the the man uh Charon had died and his body was found at the beginning of the story, and then Mr. X leads this woman to believe that the android killed Charon. But she keeps asking, well, why were you on the boat, though? And why are you still alive?
0: Right, right, um, right, right.
1: So it was like, maybe maybe Mr. X was the real killer and the android wants revenge. And that's right. why the android is lurking around. Um, yeah, again, I, like I think that,
0: this, th- that story needed like an extra page of exposition, maybe at the beginning and the end of the story, just to like sum things up because otherwise i'm like was i supposed to read like the next issue of mr x in order to get this or something yeah um but yeah i guess um i don't know were there any other highlights that you guys had because i had i had one more but i i want to get to you guys before i jump into my last like i think highlight of this book
1: i don't Uh, know i don't know that i could call the albanian like i didn't really like truly love the story but i feel like there's a commentary in there that's really interesting um First of all, like all of the the Albanian himself who was working as a janitor and the murderer that he he runs into, who's murdering all the people in this building, mm-hmm. they both mentioned that they were in military service. And so I'm like, I feel like this is partially a commentary on how our veterans need more support when they come back uh, to sure. the States. And also the end of the book has the Albanian going home with, this toy that the murderer was holding um, and talking to uh, when when he killed himself. And this, this guy puts this toy in his kid's bed. Um, so, and then the wife says something about, you didn't steal it, did you? So I feel like there's like, there's something else in there about like maybe just like this guy was a victim, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't also have a criminal background or Something, something in a gray area like that that I didn't quite grasp, but it's there.
0: Yeah. It, again, this this one, that one felt like there was a like a, a missing page or something. Like we needed a flashback of just like unspoken, just whatever. Like give us a page of him being like a petty criminal or something like that. Because in my mind, that story was like, man sees grisly crime, goes home, goes to bed. Like what? Which I
2: actually <laughs> kind of liked in that okay. way okay. in a weird way i mean doesn't his wife say something like she intimates that he had, that he a, had, history done, yeah, he had a history in albania like i think it's yeah. literally the closing line of the issue yeah. is that yeah. he had some sort of history and
0: so i don't know yeah, so i don't know either um but yeah i <laughs> guess you know Nothing wrong with liking that story. I just felt like it was an interesting story. I just it, again, it felt like it needed another page, um, because I thought that it was a, it was a good, it was a beautiful drawn story. I thought it was really interesting Just like. There was something grisly clearly going on. It just like it was missing a step. That's all. Um, Nick, was it another another story that you liked in this one that you wanted to talk about?
2: Um, sure. I mean, I don't know if I'd say. I mean, there's definitely another story I want to talk about, but it's not because okay. I liked it. Um, <laughs> um, let me ask you this, Mike. Was the last story you wanted to talk about the Azarello or the DeCampi? Because I'm sure it's one of them.
0: Well, th- no, the, one that I, the ones that I liked, I actually wanted to talk about the, the the one that featured Joelle Jones's art for the two pages that were in it, um, sure. even though it was all prose. But um, I don't know if you had one that you, that was like a highlight for you before we go into low lights on this. Okay. Okay. Um, I would say honestly I
2: actually liked the Kane the Card Player story and it seems like okay. nobody else did. The art reminded me a lot of and I know artists hate being compared to artists. Sorry everyone. It reminded me a lot of Oming, Michael Avon Oming, and not sure. just because it like his most famous series is a police procedural, right? Mm-hmm. I actually really liked the art and much like the the dean Motter story with mr x obviously it felt like we're getting a small chapter in a bigger universe obviously we are apparently kane is a series that grist created but i think i liked in some ways i liked this well i would say i liked it more Than Mr. X, but it certainly felt more approachable because even though it felt like we were getting a smaller snippet of a bigger universe, Mm -hmm. it was a smaller snippet that was um, situated in a much more grounded slash familiar setting, which is just your normal police procedural. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I, I I liked the art Um, when I was done, it made me feel like, okay, I actually might want to go look up this series. And then, unlike Mister X, um, this story still kind of felt like for me like it could stand on its own, and it did tonally fit in this collection better than, say, Mister X did. So, I I I kind of liked it for that reason.
0: Yeah, I, I thought it could have been a bigger story. Like I def- like I didn't realize this was a like an actual series, so I could definitely see this being a bigger story. My only my. Biggest complaint is that, like, with some exceptions, a lot of the characters were samey. Um, and it felt like I don't know, it ended abruptly. Um, but mm. maybe that's that's noir, it's Chinatown, and then you know, whatever. And um, so I don't know, maybe that's just me, but yeah, I, I can I could see this being a bigger story. Like, I think there was definitely enough to kick this off into a bigger world and to see more about it. So, I, I totally understand that. Um, my my last highlight would have been the um trustworthy by ken lizzie and Joel jones like i know i feel like this story works in a classic way like it hits every single trope that i would think of in like you know a, a noir the story like,
2: hologram and duffel bag trope yes yeah classic <laughs> classic i
0: mean like with Class. the sci-fi thing aside i mean like you replace a hologram with like dummy paper or something like that and the story still works right it's it only works though because it's prose because I don't think you could have told this story in a, in, a, in eight pages, right? No, Instead, absolutely this, not. We get a full three act structure of twists and turns, and we get you know the there's a guy and he meets a beautiful woman, and he, the beautiful woman comes home with him, and blah blah. You know, it's it's all these like sexist classic tropes that you would expect in in noir stories, and oh, it turns out that she was working for the wrong person. Now that wrong person is going to come, you know, get her, and she's like, oh, but why don't you go do this for me? He'll understand, and then push comes the shove, and people are turning on people oh it looks like she left with the money turns out he has the money like you know it all works it's it's i think it like if we're trying to say what is a classic noir story like this one hits it and the twist is there's a hologram instead of something else you know um so i I liked that one but i again i don't think it could have been done in eight pages so maybe like an actual single issue comic book maybe in like a 56 page you know mini graphic novel um but definitely not um beyond like in the eight pages that they allowed, which is why the pros worked for me. So
1: yeah, the thing about that book that, that really that I enjoyed was that he was like a middle management corporate drone who you know made a play when he had the opportunity in his hands to do it, and I feel like most of the time that i at least in what i've read there is always some kind of like he has a criminal background already or um you know he's already connected to the the criminal underground in some way or like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know there's some reason to think that he he would succeed um when he has no experience with this and this guy as far as we know does not have any experience with crime and he still succeeds which Mm -hmm. i thought was original
2: I thought Kate was like trying to project about her own work or something like <laughs> this. She's like, just middle management. You're just sitting there bored every day, and then an opportunity comes along. And I'm like, Kate, what are you saying? What are you saying? <laughs> this will go on the air in a couple of days. Like maybe don't <laughs>
0: <laughs> Kate's just saying that, you know, if you don't have a criminal record and you want to start a life of crime, just do it right the first time. Kate's yeah. just saying
2: you only have one shot. Do not miss your chance. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, jesus
0: so i guess uh you know before we get into some lowlights i do want to talk about some of the folks uh, on goodreads who commented some things um nancy i think read the original edition of this and uh they she said well not bad as a whole the first story was terrible and disturbing i really wish a warning had been given do you guys know what this other story was that that was originally in this book that was not available in the hoopla edition that i read
2: no um, somebody I read the comiXology new version
0: yeah
1: Somebody else in Goodreads kind of summarized it where it was like a girl had been kidnapped to be raped and even though she wasn't raped, a rape did happen. Um, oh. So it was very okay. disturbing. And yeah, none sure. of us knew about that. Yeah, well, I
0: guess I'm sorry if you if you read that because that... <laughs> jesus that's that's a lot um yeah
1: lemire is a very different tone to take yeah and i anthology. so i think i
0: i saw like there was another comment from uh from someone that was like well i was really surprised that people said they hated the first story because for me it was jeff lemire's story and i thought it was pretty good yeah <laughs> um oh. yeah um i i lenny also comments that you know even though there's a lot of talent in this book it's a lot of white male talent and that was disappointing to me maybe that's a part of why so many of these stories felt standard um i definitely can understand that i mean like this this book was made like eleven years ago, um, and that's not an excuse for for like the lack of diverse talent in this book, um, and so it's 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 kind of a disappointment to see. Like I, I'm excited for there's a Kickstarter book that I actually back called Noir is the New Black, um, and it was a it's a series that is created by all like black authors and creators and stuff um and i think i i think i have a pdf of it but it's it's all noir stories but it's it's again created by people of color and stuff so i'm really excited to read that now i think and try to compare this and say like oh this is this is a definitely a de- different series of uh, or different way of telling these kinds of stories so um yeah definitely can agree with that though from what lenny said yeah, I guess really quick, before we, we wrap up here, what was the lowest of lights in this book for you guys? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, Nick, I guess we'll, we'll start with you. What was your low light, like one of the low lights? Because, again, I don't think these are all winner stories. Right. Um, okay. Uh,
2: hot, hot take incoming, maybe. Okay. Um, especially because I think this is supposed to be the flagship story of this book that is supposed to be the most highly touted uh-huh uh it's the story that when i was reading up some uh background on this one guy was like oh yeah i read this 10 years ago i still think about this story every couple months or something and i'm like what the oh, fuck no. happened to you what is this and f- it's it's the azarello story for me honestly uh-huh. um I get the appeal. I get that it is, <laughs> unless I massively understood this, it's
0: a Dark Knight origin story, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's, it I was like, how, how it is Azarello? How is Azarello? I know it doesn't add up with any continuity that you know of Batman, no. but I'm like, Azarello, come on, get off of the big two. Write something fucking original, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was yeah, so yeah. disappointed by that.
2: No, it, it, it feels like fucking fan service, which is saying something because Azarello already wrote. I say already maybe it wasn't out at this point but he already wrote Batman Noir like it fucking exists as a book (laughs) it's already a thing and then as I said when you think about it I don't care which origin story you go with I don't care if you consider this to be a new origin story it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense (laughs) unless I didn't understand it that's me with any book it doesn't make sense unless I didn't understand it so this guy's a criminal. He's trying to cash in on this insurance scam. It's my understanding that the guy he's robbing is supposed to be in on it, right? Right. And he's supposed to hit him upside the head with the with the pistol. We intimate at one point that maybe he doesn't understand and he thinks that he's supposed to shoot him. Maybe, but then this point is clarified and corrected by the person who sends him out on
0: the job. He's just supposed to hit him upside the head. Hmm. I it. I know. I was like. I finished the book and I was like, "Really? This is what the this is the headliner story of this of the book." If really? it was left what? at a point where he wasn't sure if he was supposed to kill him or not,
2: or they intimated at some point in showing you part of the story that it went bad, that like that's the only thing that I can say about this story is if you take what you're given and you intimate that between that and the story that we all know so well that the gig goes south. Then it makes sense. Like someone mm-hmm. gets flustered and and it goes south. Fine, we have no indicator that that happens. Yeah. So again, definitely. I'm not trying to get bent out of shape here. Clearly, I am already. But <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yeah, doesn't make sense.
0: I uh, yeah, I, I that that's all. I'll say, Kate, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that.
1: Um, I am neither like a huge Batman fan or you know particularly opposed to Batman. I just really, I really haven't read a whole lot of Batman. So like. I came to this as like a reader who okay first of all the bar scene went on way too long where they're trying mm-hmm. to like plan this this crime and then suddenly there's one or two pages at the end where it's clearly um the Batman origin story and for me it was just kind of like meh um mm-hmm. I was already kind of bored and then it was like oh hey guess what it's a twist and I don't know <laughs> it was it was fine it eh.
0: that's fine that's fine. <laughs>
1: well, what was, what was... why they
2: led with this story? It's a no-duh, no-brainer yeah. why they made this the flagship story. I... Except once you read it, you go, why is this the flagship story?
0: Right. <laughs> Anyways, Kate, what was your what was your low light of this of this whole book?
1: Um, there was a story called Criminal that I assume is part of the Criminal series, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which uh, luckily I am like aware of that series, and I already I think I've tried it before, and I already knew that I didn't really like it. So, anyway, this particular story has a woman um, meeting up with a man who she's already been like talking to online for a, a while. And this man, younger man, like immediately like falls in love with her and he'll do anything for her. And she says, hey, my husband's abusive. Um, can you like, I don't know if she wants this kid to go murder him or if this is this kid's own idea. Mm-hmm. But he breaks into this guy's house and is try- it's like, I think he's armed. And it turns out that this was a lure all along. And it's like this weird sex thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I just was like why is this a story why does this exist this is weird
0: <laughs> okay okay interesting I, I thought that of all of the stories this one was probably one of the better ones so that's interesting if only because <laughs> like no I because I, maybe after just reading a bunch of stuff I was just like I'm ready to be done with this and I'm, I'm comfortable with Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips no matter what they're telling the story of but you know like I said before I think Brubaker was focused on a specific kind of thing at the time of writing this so like Maybe it's not so weird having read a bunch of his other stuff. So I, I, could definitely see being weirded out by this one.
1: I have not read a bunch of his stuff, so no worries, that's okay.
0: Um, well, I guess my my low light for for this was the the Alex de Campy Hugo Petrus Ryan Hill story. Um, if only because I couldn't, I couldn't follow it um and like i understood what was going on like i know there was special paneling and there was all this stuff of what if what if she did this what if she woke up and did that what if she got frustrated and did this and what if she pushed someone in front of a train or what if they pushed her or what if i get it um did
2: you though no no no.
0: (laughs) so i didn't i didn't i didn't follow it right i understood what the point of the story was um to ask the question of what if what if what if um and how grisly that can get in your head because you know what I've been I've been someone that's ridden on the subway before and I get those thoughts in my head. What if this this strange person that's walking behind me at the subway platform decides to just push my back really quick? What would I do? You know I, I understand that, um, but I feel like that's more of a horror story, more of a thriller suspense story than it is a noir story. Um, and even then, by the end, of the last couple pages, I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" And I if that's if that's the point, then like. I don't know if that makes it a good comic book. Um, so that's that's that was my frustration. I mean, there were some others that I wasn't a fan of, but I think that one was the one that I was kind of just like, I don't know. I don't think I can get behind this. I don't think I dig it. I don't think I like it.
2: Uh, Nick, uh, are you okay
0: over there? Like...
2: Okay, so when I started the story, I totally agree with you. It was sort of a okay. This is a differentiation between what you think in your head versus what really happens, or the things you think about doing versus the things you actually end up doing, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think there's sort of this. I mean, the title's called fracture, right? So there's Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. break between reality and and actuality. uh, Reality, actual like reality and 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 your thought process or or the things that you 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 consider or 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 you know whatever um i tried to use that as like a guidepost for the rest mm-hmm. of the issue and it just started breaking down and this book's unwillingness to actually And I get it, like, people don't need to lean on prose as a crutch all the time in comics, and sometimes we see that that happens too much, but also sometimes I feel like a little would help. And all we get throughout this book, kind of, I believe, is this protagonist, I think, I think sometimes she's saying like other people pushed per people in front of the train and they're dead. And other times mm-hmm. that like she did it and like other people won't believe her. And isn't that crazy that no one will believe her. And then you have like paths where other people are pushing other people or paths where we believe that either she did it or she thought about doing it. And now she's going to flee the country. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Like, like it got to a point where I began to either like, at first I was like, Oh my gosh, I need to be reading like I thought I had cracked the code, Michael, and I thought that you needed to read it vertically. Like you read this this set of panels vertically, and then you read the next set vertically. Sure. sure and then sure. I thought maybe I need to read the book back to front or front to like and then front to back, and that I was missing something there. Like I thought I had cracked the code about four different times, and this book <laughs> was just driving this story was just driving me nuts. And I then went on the internet, which was a mistake. We all know that. Yep, and yep. I Googled this story. And anytime it came up, it was other people saying they didn't understand the story at all. So that just didn't help. <laughs> Everyone yeah. else was like, What's going on with the story? And I'm like, You're
0: supposed to tell me. Yeah. You're supposed so. I I get it. We get it. I get it, Nick. I I think like it definitely was a confusing story. And I think, again, this is why it was my little light because of all the stories, at least I could get through the rest of them. Whereas Fracture, I kind of just, I was confused. And I think that like. The last panel. The last panel. What's the last panel? I don't know. Nick I skip past it because I was ready to just move on. I will say that by the end of it I was not paying that much attention because if a, if I'm if I'm already lost two or three pages in because there's no correct there's no like no easy flow or there's yeah. no like there's no easy way to follow the book like you've already failed at step 1, right? Like combination of of writing and art there's a whole there's a whole thing. So anyways, that w- those were the low lights. I, I don't know how do you guys feel about the end of this. I guess, would you recommend this to somebody if they were saying, hey, I'm looking to read some noir stories? Um, Kate, what's your thoughts? No. Okay. Okay.
1: i the first <laughs> one. Maybe Lemire's. <laughs> That's it. <laughs>
0: okay. I like straightforward answers like that. I, could, yeah. uh, I, I mean, re- Nick, what about you? Uh, let me see if I can get a straightforward answer from you on this. Would you recommend this to someone if they were saying, hey, I wanted to read some noir stories?
2: Uh, honestly, I, I think the answer would be no. I think that there is, there's some good stuff here, but it doesn't outweigh the stuff that I'm a apathetic about, and the stuff that b I just don't like.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think the okay. fact that there are other books I could point people to doesn't help the situation. There's other, yeah, and I would definitely point.
0: And on the Goodreads thread, you know, some folks did p- point out some noir comics that they thought did a much better job at g- delivering noir stories. Now, they weren't necessarily all anthologies. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think that that's kind of the struggle line here is that you have to deliver a concise, interesting, suspenseful noir story in eight to ten pages. And I think that that's incredibly hard, even for people like, you know, even when there are the stories that we did like we thought worked. I think that they all would have been better if they were a little bit longer. Yeah. I just that was, I think the 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 downfall of this entire anthology is that maybe it wasn't long enough, or maybe the people needed more pages or Mm -hmm. something like that. Maybe if they would remove the story to give everyone else an extra page or two, that would have helped a lot on the whole and made this a better anthology. So I don't know how these things work.
2: Well, and 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 I don't
0: think Dark Horse was trying to be deceitful
2: when they did this, and I don't know if there is a better way to do this. But when you show me the list of creators. Like, without thinking about it, I'm going to immediately think about them as I think about them now. And when you tell me that this was them, like, 12 years ago, like, some of this stuff is just, you know, and again, like I said, like, can you blame people for being capable of artistic growth? No, but the stuff isn't as good as some of the stuff they're making now. And so in that regard, when there's a lot of these names on the cover, I can say, like, Those people are amazing.
0: (laughs) Go read their new stuff. Right. So... I think that may have been skew towards how why we voted on things but also maybe we just want to try something new so again I, I I don't want to necessarily spend I didn't want to necessarily spend this whole episode just shitting all over this book because I think there were some some good reads in within this this entire anthology so yeah you know thanks to the folks on Goodreads for voting on things and for you know contributing to the discussion that we had about this book um, I can't wait to read next month's Goodreads book of the month which is going to be very exciting so um, I guess to wrap everything up I'll just drop some credits and we can call it good um, you can follow us all on Twitter you can follow Nick at Death Star Plans you can follow Kate at KLFear, and you can follow me at Mike Rappin and you can follow the show at IRCB podcast where I try to post things on Twitter and Instagram um, as often as I can
1: this episode first aired on Patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons join today for exclusive series like IRCB movie club saga of saga and more join now at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast if you haven't already please rate and review our show five stars on Apple podcast Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts really does help us spread the word about ircb
2: we would also love it if you would join the ircb discord community where we chat about comics and more And you can also listen to our episodes live as we record at ircbpodcast.com forward slash discord and it would help us out a lot if you tell your friends your local comic shop about the show
0: Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music for our show. They just released a new EP. I think everyone should go check that out on their Bandcamp. Xander is a very cool guy, a very fun person to talk to, and he also edits the show in the best way possible. I want to say thanks to Kate and Nick for being on this episode. I want to say thanks to Cinco and Crashmore and Danny for hanging out with us in the chat, and Brian as well um, while we recorded live. And thank you to everyone out there who listens to the show and shares it and and just, you know, is a a fan of IRCB. I want to say until next time, comics are good, and so are you.